Hey, hello and welcome back to the Comic Literary Podcast, the podcast that does deep dives into the best of comic books, graphic novels, mangas, and penny dreadfuls. I'm your host, the soon-to-be-known-as-Comic-Stan, and with me, as always, is my zestful co-host, it's Jamie. You zestful again. Even though I was being... What, again? Ah, oh, is this the first... I'm going to have to edit this out if it is. There was a whole thing about <laughs> zestful, do you not remember? I Was it not a different one? No, it was I've... zestful. I'm gonna. I've got a thing. I'm going. Oh, I did. Oh, you that's puni- That's punishable. I'm gonna have to stop the whole bit now. You fucked it. Yeah. You're gonna t- have to carry on. But yeah. You fucked oh yeah. It. We've got to leave it in out of um authenticity. Being... You know, I was in a good mood. And then I called you. That's what I fucked <laughs> it. I mean, you have a better memory of these things, which actually is a compliment to me because you're actually remembering these words I've picked out, but. You would think I, I mean, uh, to be honest, the list that I'm using for like uncommon descriptive terms, I was like, I haven't done Z in a while and there's only two in Z and I just immediately went back into like, ooh, Zestful, that's a nice word. What was the other Z, Z, Z for zebra one? I, uh, <laughs> a common description. You're very zebra-like, you know that? Uh, I'll have to open it again if you well, just give the me... the actual phonetic is a little bit culturally insensitive, isn't it? What, zebra? Well, no, the actual phonetic alphabet for Z... Oh, Zulu? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I Definitely, it was made by Brits, for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The other Z word I could have picked, which I should have picked, was zealous. See, now, zealous, I would have been overzealous, if anything, to have been called zealous today. Yeah, and um, unlike the big two comic distributors, we can't just retcon the past as if it never happened, so... <laughs> I, I mean, we have done that once before. I mean, as far as the, far as we the audience... We got on our cosmic treadmill. Yes, we rewound time or went <laughs> forward in time or whichever ones you prefer. Whichever way it went. I don't remember it was It was definitely the Spider-Man episode. I know, into the future. <laughs> Just for my own Futurama reference of, welcome to the world of tomorrow. Oh, we love it. So how you- are you? How are you doing? Good. I'm energetic. I'm ready to go. I had one of those moments earlier when I was thinking about, God, God be high energy for the podcast. And the thought that really got it across for me was, I did generally think, how lucky is it that I was able to find someone in my life that I could put this podcast together with? And that made me, and not even just like a complimentary complimentary way to you, like not even just like to big you up or anything, just genuinely like how many people have someone in their life who go, we should start a podcast. A lot of people say we should start a podcast. Very few people, I think, actually start one that goes well. Yeah, and we have been doing this for a while now. For what we can't even it's it's but when it's been a good time, you don't remember how long it's been. So it could like, have been a year, could have been ten years. Eight or nine months or something, isn't it? Something like that, yeah. I mean go, go by the number of episodes, but I had that thought and I went, I'm privileged to be able to do this, to be in a situation where we can set all this up and get all the gear and technology together and everything. And that gave me a little bit of a yeah, come on, let's do this. You know? And then you walked in and said zestful, and I was like, right, you're a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've quit the podcast now. <laughs> but otherwise, I'm, I'm in good spirits. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I've realized that my cat's a little flea bag, so I'm less than thrilled with her. In the very literal term, not even like a, a, a cat derogatory term. Nah, she's just a big old bag of fleas, and I've I've, 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 I've first time dealing with it. Yeah, that's um, perils of pet ownership, unfortunately. And you made it quite far to get to this point first. Yeah, I know, right? Which make, kind of makes it worse. So I've just been smothering her in ointments and unchewits and, you know, like I'm, like an like the ape that I am, grooming her by hand. Have you thought about getting one of those birds that picks ticks out of, like, rhinos or something? Do you know what? I considered it, but then they have their own parasites and it just ends up being... 
<laughs> we bought you in together less parasites, not more parasites. Exactly. <laughs> so that sounds like an old 50s sketch kind of like, <laughs> oh, I thought it'd be a good idea, sir. I saw <laughs> the Simpsons episode, thought better of it. I mean, they do that job, but I didn't know about the additional parasites, so that's that's news to me. Absolutely. You don't want bird ticks. You think the bird, airborne. The birds that pick the ticks off, you'd be like, you've got your own ticks, mate. Why <laughs> worry about that first. And if there's, if there's hard to reach places, two birds tick each other. You definitely would tick each other. Yeah, that's the to tick to, or de-tick. Jamie, can we hang out at yours? No, I'm really sorry, mate. I've got two birds ticking each other off at home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the problem is a cat, especially. You bring a bird in, that's small enough that it's just going to be like, ooh, dinner. It's like, prey, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's like, no, no, he's, he's working for us. <laughs> he's the help. You don't eat the help. <laughs> If I if I hadn't already written it off as an idea, I think this conversation would have been enough to deter me. <laughs> well, this is why we do it. This is why so people <laughs> listening at home, they know if they're in the similar situation. Uh, maybe if you've got a mellow dog, like a big dog that's quite mellow, you could get one of them in for that. Yeah. But, you know, best not to risk it. Maybe there's other parasites. Maybe it's illegal. I have no idea. I'm not an expert on birds. <laughs> Imagine <or>. if it is. <laughs> yeah, there's, just, there's just a law against working birds that went through Parliament in the 16th century. Yeah, I think people were underpaying them. That was the problem. It was Absolutely. Like, it was like a slave wage or something. Yeah, yeah I think. just unreasonable working hours. Yeah, there's those big bird protests of the uh, the 1840s. Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah, the bird. Yeah, I mean, Gladstone managed to quell them. Yeah. But... The, is this our version of the Jungle Canyon rope bridges? <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone knows that reference, well done. Yeah, absolutely. Good that on was a you. deep cut. Deep cut. So, speaking of whatever it is we were just speaking of, we are here again today to actually do something slightly unusual. I feel I've said that in a few episodes. Yeah, but this, this is, is cool. This is even more so because we're doing not one, not three or any higher, but two titles this week. Absolutely. And I thought, what is the most elaborate way I can go about saying that? <laughs> well, it was. Yes, exactly. You've seen the title, so you've seen the franchise. We are doing, of course, the... And ready for it? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Heroes in a Half Shell. Turtle power! Turtle power! (laughs) (laughs) Through to you. I mean, that was like a bit of like a... Yeah, yeah, I didn't like... That was... It would have been amazing if you'd got it. It was worth the risk of like... Throwing it to you. <laughs> ah, you fucked it. <laughs> but yes, we're doing the one and only Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, because, well, especially while we're doing two titles, is you actually had this idea to do the very beginning. Yeah. And one of the more recent ones to see, because it's such a widespread franchise, see, mm. especially specifically within comics. Yeah. So other franchises. I don't think, I think most people, like your general everyday, your civilians, you know, your normies. Your normies. I don't think many people know that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were, are a, a comic original mm. character and franchise. Yeah. So we thought it'd be good, you thought it'd be good to do the start and the, the modern I mean, yeah. and compare them. At least just to have a look at it. Um, and do you know what? Having, I mean, I didn't do as much prep as you for this episode, I'm going to be honest. Um, having dipped my toe into both titles there are some key differences yes and there are some really key points of interest i mean you know even even just looking at the way that the art styles evolved jesus christ i've got a lot to say on the art style yeah in on on both titles so if uh if it's not in the title because i haven't written it yet or whatever so we're doing the original 1984 first 
first issues, so like the very first comics of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And then we're jumping all the way to, I think it was 2020? 2020. 2020. During the old pandemic. When the uh, TMNT The Last Ronin came out, which was well received as a good Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic. So we'll get into that and mm. see what we think. I thought a good place to start would be just going into a little bit of our own experiences of the franchise uh, because it's one of those ones that's been around for our entire lives. Yeah, for and, us, certainly. In such various ways. So you can say that with things like, you know, Star Wars has always been around for us and other, uh, like James Bond is a long running one. Yeah. But they, I think, have much more traditional uh, mediums. So like mostly films and all. And, you know, you got your other stuff, your books and your games, whatever. But Teenage Mutant, Tina, I'm going to say, I'm going to say TMNT. I'm going to use that abbreviation from TMNT. now on. TMNT. TMNT has is a very weird one because it's it doesn't feel like any one medium is the defining one, and that's in, oh. that's including the comics where they started. Because, like I said, most people don't know. I didn't realize they started in comics. Proving my point, yeah. I thought it was a toy line that had comics and cartoons made to sell it, and toys have absolutely been one of the biggest oh. parts of it for sure. Yeah, I think everything else was made to to advertise the toys. Yeah. Like with a lot of franchises, especially anything kid-related. But it was the 80s. That's how they did in the 80s, wasn't it? And what's especially... I mean, we'll get into it, but um, what's especially interesting is how it started, like the style and the medium it was. But I thought it'd be cool, like I said, what is your personal experience growing up? Did, like, did, did you dip your tone at all? Or is any kind of bits of it that you enjoyed growing there up? There was a cartoon that I liked. The one that you just reminded me of the intro for. So would that the original 80s cartoon, I think? The, yeah. The it, one with April O'Neil in the yellow jumpsuit. That look. Yeah. Yeah. So episodes of that came into my household on VHS from the library. Right. In the like late 90s. And was that like, a, did you pick it out? Or was that like, a you're a kid, you're like this. No, it was like, I yeah, I picked up that and the Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon. Right. Um, like just a yeah, a few. There was a few cartoons that like weren't syndicated on TV. Did that feel kind of like the the eighties felt like the time period where the connection between make a cartoon and then sell toys and make bank? Do you think that was the first time that kind of hit? Because it seemed like a lot of TV shows. That, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the eighties were all about that. I mean, that's where He Man came from. That's certainly the model that Power Rangers was using. And I grouped TMNT in with that um, purely because my first exposure to it was the original cartoon, which I think came out in the late 80s. I reckon so, yeah. Yeah, and I just remember it being really cool and they liked pizza and I liked pizza. (laughs) You know, I just... They were mutants. And I'm a mutant. (laughs) They were mutants and all the other kids at school thought I was really weird. So that kind of made a lot of sense. They were unusually big for their age. (laughs) (laughs) In some iterations, I think. They're called teenagers, but they're definitely adults, yeah, if not more. Absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, one of my like one of my friend's older brothers was from the eighties because he was a bit older than us, and he had a. <laughs> Who's your brother? He's from the eighties. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he's like a good ten years older than us, and so he was. He had been kicking about collecting comic books in the nineties, and I'm pretty sure he had like. I was exposed to like One Piece and the original Dragon Ball series and then some other kind of weird and wonderful comics. And there was some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff there. And now having read a little bit of the original run, I think that's what he had. 
Right. And so I'd seen a bit of it in like one of my friend's older brother's comic book collections, you know? Mm, yeah. So for me, I've definitely dipped my toe in and out of the franchise throughout the years. Yeah. Um, my first interaction, I think, properly with it, because I, I think I, I saw bits of the, the original cartoon, yeah. but I never, I don't remember really latching onto it at all. Yeah. For me, a, a few years after that, I was watching, so for any British millennials, remember Fox Kids was one of the, wow. one of the, the Sky TV bundle kid shows. You had like your Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, Fox Kids were like yeah. your main ones. Fox Kids had a live action TV show. Yeah. So it was it was the same style as the films, which I think were late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. So it was that style, but a bit more cost friendly. Like they'd obviously made they'd obviously made improvements in the big prosthetic costumes yeah. and moving and mouths and everything. Were, the sets were a bit simplified, weren't they? Yeah. It was very of the time, it was very Power Rangers. Yeah. I think they used a lot of the same like enemy bad guy bad guy monsters yeah. like styles and puppets and whatever but it was that kind of style to the point where there was i was reminded of this by a meme and it was a meme using a picture from the power rangers tmnt crossover no so shit. that time they had like some crossover episodes don't know which which show it was on but they definitely happened and the reason i know they happened was someone took a picture of that and captioned it as a meme of when you're out with your crew high as fuck and you run into another separate crew that's also high as fuck. And it was the Power Rangers and the Turtles being like, hey, you guys, <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you guys. Like, and I saw that one had this like intense flashback of like, oh my God, there was a crossover episode. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Dude, can we can we just stop recording now and just get high and watch that? Just, that sounds great. I think just get high and look at the meme and just stare <laughs> at the meme and laugh at it for like an hour. For reference, um, just for professional reasons, I do not take any drugs. Yeah, of course. I, I um, don't do any drugs. Um, never have done. Never not even do. Not even paracetamol. Uh, okay. Not even, um, I mean, food technically is a chemical, so I... <laughs> Everything is chemicals, Ryan. Yeah. When people say when people say that, I don't do drugs, it's like, you're drinking alcohol. It's like, well, that doesn't count. It's like, look, all right, culturally, yes, I see what you mean. I'm Omega going off three on a... fatty acids are chemicals. Exactly. I take Flintstones vitamins. <laughs> That's the only drugs I do. Bassett's soft and chewy vitamins. Exactly. For me and you. Fisherman's friend. Oh, uh, have you ever had a fisherman's friend? I think I have. I don't remember well, but I think if I have. You ha if you'd had a fisherman's friend, you'd remember it. Yeah, I remember the... It was minty, isn't it? It's overly minty. It's more it's... minty than mint, isn't no, it? No, it's not minty. It's, um... Uh... <sighs> Like heavily mentholated, like the same yeah, kind of menthol, flavor, yeah. but almost more like yeah, what's the what's the flavor that absinthe is? Also, cough syrups, menthol, I think, or cough syrup. Or no, it's a very specific licorice. Thing. You know, yeah, like a very licoricey. Okay, awful stuff. Yeah, it's not great. So I was watching the live action <laughs> TMNT show um, and really into that as a kid. It was one of those like, oh, it's on when you get home from school kind of things, which is cool. Had their own little. Um, Plot. I say their own little plot. It was a plot within that where there was a fifth turtle turned out to be their sister. So it was like a new oh, one introduced. I remember her. Yeah, I do. Re I remember this show. Yeah. yeah, and she was like raised by like actual ninjas or samurai or something. So she was like properly like like disciplined in martial arts and everything, and like like yin and yang tai chi. Very yeah. very stereotypical like version. Yeah, it's a very. <laughs> Very, like, just blanket, like, all the stereotypes related, related to martial arts. 
she was there. Um, so that I enjoyed. Uh, there was a cartoon after that, which I think was on maybe Fox as well, which was a bit more stylized of the t- a bit more like late 90s style. That uh, might have even been the one that I consumed, you know, maybe early, early 10s, maybe well, no, so probably in the noughties. There was one that I watched uh, only more recently than you'd think to the, po- <laughs> to the point where I won't say exactly because at any point it's. I would say it's embarrassing for how old I was watching this TV show, but also fuck it. Adults watching kids shows, if they're good, fucking normalize yeah. it. Like, who gives a shit? Is this something that you watched when you were definitely had had a few vitamins? No, not even. I was literally like tuning in because I was like, <laughs> this is a good show. I'd heard it was a good show. Yeah. It was a Nickelodeon um, show because they own the rights now. Yeah. Um, or at least own like the publishing rights of yeah. visual stuff. Um, but there was a, it was a kind of computer CGI cartoon so it's like made uh, in that style is that good i it, did hear about that the story i literally heard from people like from teenage mutant Ninja Turtle fans who watched it young and it just kept into it becoming adults they were like this show it, it looks very kid show but it's really good oh. and i watched it and it was like generally like good story arcs that went across entire seasons and still had it like ish like theme of the week kind of episodes but mm. like actually felt like it was building up to like a bigger thing and i mean i feel the same way about the star wars clone wars stuff like yeah i would i would generally uh, similar to that i yeah. would say in terms of like story quality so cool. that was kind of my my I'll watch it yeah that sounds great uh i also also saw the films where they were like like massive mutants you know that recent one wasn't shia labeouf in that no that's you think of transformers right <laughs> <laughs> similar kind of style uh this one was it had buddy megan fox in it she was like april o'neill and everyone's like Boo, she's not my That's why I thought Shia LaBeouf was there. Yeah. Because she's also in the Transformers films, right? exactly, yeah. I think he was, might have been Michael Bay as well, potentially, or he was producing or something. He bloody produces everything. So he was involved too. I heard really bad things. Yeah, it wasn't great. It was, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of spectacle and not very fun. Because to be honest with you, if I, if like, we, we, we are owed a good Turtles film. Well, hopefully we're getting one soon, which may or may not be why we're doing this episode now. But Oh, that's why we're doing this. There is one you coming out soon. sneaky bastards. <laughs> There's one coming out the week that this will be released. Hopefully. Right, okay. Can that... we go see it together? Yeah, of course, yeah. I like that we're just casually making social plans on the podcast now. I mean, they're, but they're not social plans. They're work plans now. Yeah, I suppose this is... Oh, this we can is write a, off our tax. It's like, a business we, we had to go see the film to tell the listeners a few <laughs> weeks after it's released whether it's any good or not, what we liked it. So there's a film coming out which looks good, made by Seth um, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. So, no. Yeah, sh- I, think they, I-, I think they're making it, or at the very least producing it. Have we had a conversation about this? I think I've told you, like, hey, we're doing a TMT, TMNT episode because there's a film coming out. We'll watch the trailer after this episode. I must have just heard TMNT and gone, cool. <laughs> like, I like Turtles. This is going to be fun. And just blanked the reason we were doing it. Yeah, I'll, we'll watch the trailer after this and <laughs> you can get hyped for it. I remember that you said Zestful once six months ago. And yet I forget, I didn't know that there was a TMNT film coming out. I mean, it's different priorities. Oh, I mean, my brain, mate. It just doesn't function sometimes. I think you can be... You can be um, forgiven for forgetting that a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film is coming out. Like, it's not really, like, important information. I know <laughs> well, it is if you're a big TMNT fan. I know, because I do the research for this, and that's the, <laughs> the main reason. But, so, going into the comics, which yeah. is specifically... Um, oh, also the games. I played um, very recently Shredder's Revenge. Great game. Oh, good things. It's 
classic throwback scroller beat em up. Yeah. You can get up to like six players. So you got the four tiles plus like Splinter and April and whoever. Um, very fun. Just like mash the buttons, beat the ninjas, move around, do special attacks and all that kind of stuff. So, and I played one years and years ago. One of the first games I played was a T- TMNT game. But you know, when you're a kid and you're first playing games and you don't even kind of make the connection because they look so different. Yeah. Like the graphics were the graphics. So well, what was your first game console? What was it on? Uh, Nintendo 64, I think. You had an N64? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I had a Mega Drive. I had the one. For our American listeners, <laughs> that's a Sega Genesis uh, in Europe. The uh, I'm pretty sure uh, the Nintendo 64 that had, if this helps anyone narrow it down it was the one with duck hunt with the gun that you plugged in as the controller that's See, not an n64 that's an that's a snes might have been a snes then i might have had one other I, if it N6- was an n64 you'd know because it would have that weird three-pointed controller and then a nes has a little square controller and a oh, SNES, it's the snes then yeah no it was the snes, SNES I think, has the slightly rounded nes controller yeah i think there's n64 afterwards but so the, you had a snes so the snes had the original so snes had the original mario game on it didn't it i think Thing. No, that was the NES. Well, it might be the NES then. I, oh, unless they carried it forward. So Mario Brothers was on NES, and then Super Mario Brothers was on SNES because it was the Super. My, you know more than me, to be fair. I had the one, I'm pretty sure it was the original one because I remember the, that first level was like iconic. Like, I mean, everyone knows the Mario theme, but um, the real test is when you go down the tunnel that's who would have thought this one would have been the musical episode <laughs> of all of as all a, the things we just break into mario as if you because like i i got i i i had a second hand sega mega drive which actually is in the table that we are currently recording in right um because i still have my mega drive it still works and I remember going to friends' houses and thinking they were really bougie because they hmm. had a SNES. Right. Oh my god, is that a fucking Super Nintendo? Is that they can play fucking Mario on that? Fucking hell. Because <laughs> I was just like, I mean, in fairness, I had Streets of Rage, which is infinitely better than anything. I don't. I don't. I. I feel like Streets of Rage might have come out on the SNES though. It might. I didn't play that, so I don't know. And to be have honest, you never played Streets of Rage. I probably have, and that sounds like a. Weird cop out answer. I'm pretty sure I have, but Dude, I don't know for sure. I have a Mega Drive and two controllers. You're gonna have to just sit here and drink beer with me yes. one night and play. It's so it's so. Oh, it's probably cheaper than going outdoors nowadays, isn't it? Ooh. Well, absolutely. Oh yeah, Co- yeah. the old cozy lives in this economy. <laughs> no, we'll do that for sure. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, another quick video game. My video game like knowledge, you know, like because I was playing when yeah. I was younger, but I just didn't know. I didn't know what I was playing on yeah. or what game I was playing or whatever. But then my kind of memory, my mind started to click in when I started playing the PlayStation 1. So that was when I was like picking my own games and, you know, experiencing it that way. Because when we met, we both had PS2s. Yeah. And we were all rampant Grand Theft Auto fans. Oh, yeah. San Andreas swept like our school. Like everyone who was cool was playing it. Yeah. And, but to the point where the day it came out, because everyone had slowly, like at points, played three and vice city yeah not necessarily when they came out but people they the word had spread over the time between releases so by the time san andreas came out everyone had played those so when san andreas came out everyone got that on release like i didn't oh oh, me and some friends literally were like meeting like first thing in school to talk about the levels we had played and i was ahead of one of my friends like so like by a couple of levels so when he's like oh i got to this i was like oh i'm on this now and they're like oh fuck's sake 
and then one day they were off sick and then they came and they went they massively got ahead of me i was yeah. like you bastard you cheated <laughs> <laughs> you took a day off school no i had to wait until either for like either my birthday or christmas to come around and to be honest with you, I kind of knew my parents wouldn't be super thrilled with me getting that game anyway. Same, yeah. And so somebody had bought it for me and it was wrapped up waiting to be given to me. And I was like, if I just keep my fucking mouth shut, <laughs> I'm actually going to get... Because we were like 12. I went to a DVD rental shop nearby that's yeah. long closed, but that they used to just give any kid anything. Yeah. It was like ridiculous. So I was like picking up like 18 games and just like putting on the couch like, try my luck. Worst case, I'll be like, oh shit, is that 18? Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, I didn't realize. And the they just grand theft or yeah. I was 18. And they just gave it to me. And I was like, right, leave before saying anything. Took it over my parents like, where'd you get this? So I was like, oh, I got my ways. And like, <laughs> That's not an acceptable art. <laughs> um, yeah, so I had to wait. And I remember being rampantly jealous of all of you talking about San Andreas while I was still like, I'm just playing a bit of Vice City. Yeah, that's when you have to be like contrarian. Like, I don't even like GTA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have, have fun with your loser game. <laughs> yeah, I just really want to play some Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> yeah, the real gamers. <laughs> the true gamers. In whatever. fairness, I really liked Ratchet and Clank. I've heard good things. I haven't played it myself. You've but... never played Ratchet and Clank? No, but it looks good. Too busy killing prostitutes, weren't you? And playing GTA. Yay. Uh, you set me up for that Wee. one. An obvious joke. Yeah. Just for just a disclaimer for any we do not listeners. condone at all harm to sex workers. Absolutely, pay them promptly. I mean, especially that. Treat them kindly and pay them promptly. Treat them like human beings. Sex work is work. Is that, work is work. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. Sex so, positive. We are sex positive on the Comic Letter podcast. Not that it should ever come up. <laughs> I mean, eventually we'll do like a bloody adult title and there'll be like graphic sex scenes for no reason. So we'll get into it then. Probably, probably be like a Garth Ennis title at some point. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. We talked about this, haven't we? I just saw he's doing the news. He's doing or he's done, or he's actively doing a Peacemaker. So he actually came back to like superhero comics oh, to do shit, Peacemaker. really? Yeah. After making all that porn? Yes, and, <laughs> and violence. Don't forget the violence. So, yeah, we'll definitely be doing that at some point. And We've done it again, Ryan. Speaking of comics, that's why I'm bringing it around. Hey, well done. So, just before we get into the comics, I've got one little fun thing to do first. Yeah, okay. So, I recently. Completely independent of this this um, episode, I watched a animation of a comic title. There's yeah. animation of uh, TMNT meets Batman. So oh wow, they, is that a thing? Yeah, they did a comic crossover, which apparently is very good. I just watched the animated like movie of it. Did the turtles kick Batman's ass? No, they they team up. Like they have a bit of a back and forth. They so they do a thing. Uh, it's a thing on another podcast that put it well for me, which was they fight a bit and then they're mates. Like yeah, that yeah, is yeah. the classic Standard. superhero crossover thing. So what I'm gonna do is I've got one question for you, multiple choice. Yeah, and just whatever best answer you can give. So in this TMNT meets Batman crossover animation, I didn't check if it was in the comics. So I'm just going to okay. specifically say it was in the animated yeah, movie. Yeah. Which of these phrases does Batman not say? Okay, go so for it. of the three, he only didn't say one. Yeah, yeah, I need to pick which one he didn't say. Yeah. Cool. So the options are Cowabunga, <laughs> Turtle Power, <laughs> or Pizza Time. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. I literally, I watched it and then thought about it afterwards in prepping this episode. And I thought, and you were like, fuck, oh, you that... said two of them. I said, like, that'll be a fun quiz. I think 
So Batman would have enough whimsy to say cowabunga. Does he? Well, no, he doesn't. He's not I'm... known for his whimsy. I think it's pizza time is the one he didn't say. Is that your final answer? It is, yeah. <sighs> Which one did... Oh, please tell me he said cowabunga. He does say cowabunga. It was turtle power he didn't say. So cowabunga, the way he says it is he's in a final fight. So... <laughs> It's the reason that he's Bunga. Not even like that. <laughs> it more of just like a cowabunga. Like <laughs> a, a little bit a little bit my voicing Batman? Um I I don't know. I think an actor, but not an overly famous one. Yeah, okay. Uh definitely it wasn't Conroy. This was um right, after okay. his passing, unfortunately. But it was kind of more Keaton-esque. Like right, that level okay, of like okay, not yeah, quite yeah. rough voice, but normal voice, but still a bit dark and bassy. Yeah. Um, so he's in a final fight with Shredder because what happens is Shredder has teamed up with Ra's al Ghul so they're like swapping stuff like you do this for me and I'll do this for you and we'll both like rule our respective New York and Gotham or whatever um, so the turtles are fighting Ra's and um, Batman's fighting Shredder he fought him earlier and Shredder fucked him up with like this like like weird chai like focusing his chi into like a thing that almost like broke did. Batman kind of yeah. thing so Batman, he's like mid-fight him again. And it's a really good fight action scene for, for an animation. And Shredder's got him on the back foot again, and he's doing the thing again. And he's like, any last words? And Batman's like, yeah, cowabunga. And Shredder's <laughs> like, what? What are you saying that for? And then <laughs> Raphael comes from the side, swinging on a rope, just hit, kicks him in the face. He's like, whee! Oh, good. And then the other one, right at the end, at the top, like, right, we got Go to New York. It's been fun teaming up with you. If you need us again, give us a shout and yeah. hopefully we'll see you again, whatever. And then turn around, about to leave. Batman like puts her ha- hand on the shoulder. He's like, you can't leave yet. It's pizza time. <laughs> He's like, ordered pizzas. Oh, they, they, Batman <laughs> gives them pizza. And That's they, so good. Damien Wayne is like, we never get pizza until you guys go. So I, I like you guys now. <laughs> oh, so good. So quick. Who's tan- your favorite Uh Donatello. Easily. Really? Yeah. That's something. So, to, speaking of a larger franchise, I was going to make this point as well. So, oh, second, obviously, wh- who is your favorite? I like Raph. No, um, I see you more as a, maybe a bit more of a Michelangelo. I mean, my character is definitely more Michelangelo, isn't yeah. it? But I like Raphael. He's the quippiest. I mean, they're all quite. I mean, Mikey's the quippiest. Yeah, Raph's actually, got yeah. Some, Raph's got some quips, but normally like like very tough guy. Yeah, like. no, I yeah no. Michelangelo's my favorite. I like Mikey. Yeah, you're you're I was absolutely just fucking you right. Just to change your change yeah, your no, opinion. you're absolutely right because Mikey's the quippiest, and that's my favorite thing about the turtles. Yeah, um, I think that you know all the like personality tests and the what's the one with the four letters the uh, the uh, the Myers Briggs. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Which turtle are you? Is the Which biggest is the most. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> Fuck these personality tests. Fuck uh, uh, Harry Potter house what and is, all that bollocks. Who's well, your favorite turtle? That's think, the personality decision. I think. I think we need to just for posterity at this point in the podcast lock down. What is your Myers Briggs and what is your Harry Potter house? Do you pick a Myers Briggs or do you have to take the test for? It? You have to take the test, you idiot. Well, yeah. Then I'm. Have you wh- never wh- done a Myers Briggs. No. <laughs> you popped. You hopped off. You hopped out of education quite young, didn't you? Oh, so there was that a trend that came they, out just after. They make you do it at university. <laughs> like, Jeez. they make you do it quite a few times at university. Considering it's been widely panned in, like, the actual, like, circles, the, the actual, like, psychology circles are like, yeah, this is bollocks. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a thing. It's... God. So I'm an ENTP. 
Right. And I'm an ENTP. I've been an ENTP every time I've taken the test since I was like 18. Um, I've never gotten anything else. I'm always an ENTP. Hmm. What Harry Potter house did are you? You might you, might, you a, must have done one of those online tests. You've I've been... not done any tests. I am inclined to most probably say Ravenclaw. Do you know I... what? I am a Ravenclaw. Really? Because I did. Yeah, I. One of somebody made me uh, <laughs> do like somebody sat me down in front of the online test and made me do that. It was when the Pottermore came out. Yeah, the problem with those tests, the online ones, like. There needs to be some kind of like, this is the definitive test. And the reason it's the definitive test is because the answers don't correlate to each house. Oh, yeah. like the four. It's like you are walking through the woods and you suddenly see an animal. Is it a, a, a <laughs> griffin, a lion, or a raven, or a whatever Hufflepuff is, or a snake? And you it's pick like, snake. He goes, ooh, bad choice. Like, are you brave or are you yeah. smart? I I got raised. Are you are you brave? Are you smart? Are you kind or evil? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which are you? <laughs> so evil the, motherfucker. <laughs> I think I'm evil. <laughs> and then there's the Harry Potter. This like uh, actually Slytherin. It doesn't actually mean evil. It means whatever Snape was. You nearly put your glasses up to your face actually, as you said that. Yeah, and I was like, that's actually, exactly what. That's the gesture. I was already doing the voice. So <laughs> I was like, uh, actually, I think you're fine. Uh, actually. <laughs> So yeah, I'm an ENTP who got Ravenclaw, and I like Michelangelo. Yeah, the Michelangelo is the most important one. Donatello makes a lot of sense for you. Yeah, I was like, as a kid, I was always very into science, as you know, that's how we met, and uh, technology and stuff. So the turtle that was like the science one, the smart one, I was like, that's the best one. Because Raphael's the most hardcore fighter, isn't he? He's a hothead, so it depends yeah. It depends what you mean by hardcore fire. Like, he goes hard, but the problem is he's not, he's too undisciplined. Yeah, absolutely, which is why he only gets a fucking sigh. Well, that's another thing. You brought this up yeah. when we were talking about this All previously. of the turtles get the weapon that they needed. Do you needed. want to ex- explain them, or? Yeah, so Michelangelo uses... Nunchucks. And that's because... Oh, we've talked about they're, this, haven't we? It's because apparently they are one of the most difficult weapons to master. So they're yeah. one of the most difficult disciplines. So with Mikey being a bit of a screw around and like short attention span stuff, Splinter was like, I'm giving you the hardest to master because you need that extra focus. So if you do this, you'll have the tools to be a better ninja. And then Raphael was the most hot-headed. Yes. So he got Psy. Psy are essentially two blunt daggers with big... um guards yeah but they're entirely a defensive weapon and so their entire use you'd either have two of them or you'd have one of them with a blade mm. and you'd use it to catch and trap a sword yeah um and so the hot the hot the hottest head needs to wait for the first attack and counter it rather than going in and then first. donatello relies on science and technology and so he just got given a literal stick mm. <laughs> with with the lesson being you need to rely on yourself and your skills, so I'm giving you the most basic weapon. So it's all on you. Like I've, you forgotten, need to the, I've forgotten the fourth turtle. Leo's being the swords, he is he, the leader. Katana's, essentially. Because yeah. he's the leader and he has to make like the most decisions, he's got the deadliest weapons because he has the, the brunt of using them, uh, not safely, but like non-lethally re- restraining himself. He has to think about his decisions He's more. the only one that he trusted not to behead somebody in the sewers. Yeah. Realistically. And Wait. so he gave him two swords. Yeah, exactly. And I'll tell you Don't what. Don't think they're katanas, though. I think they're probably wakasashis. I mean, obviously, you're, you're more of an expert than I am for knowing that word. So I'll take your word so on it. So a katana's a full-size sword. Right. Wakasashi's half-size. And then a tanto's a dagger. I reckon they're wakasashis. I'm going to... Uh, 
adamantly agree with you <laughs> on the basis that I know not. I it's the it's the always sunny course. I don't know enough about the subject to dispute them, yeah. so I'm just going to believe them. If you are a if you are like a raging turtles nerd, um, comicliter at gmail.com. If we get anything wrong, let me know. Oh, 100 percent. Because again, like I've always I've always kind of thought the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are really cool. Yep. Like the idea that there's actually some serious stuff in the franchise. But it's a bit of a laugh, isn't it? It's like 1980s silliness. Here's four turtles that are the best ninjas in the world. Go. <laughs> yeah. And I think that really speaks through the different mediums. I think yeah. the reason that it's been translated across so many times is because you can change everything else. You can change the tone, the style, the medium, everything. But what they always retain is the core story setting and characters. Yeah. So the fact that, I mean, how many other franchises just have that where they essentially just reboot the same story over and over again. But people like it because it's such a unique story in itself. Like there's nothing close to it. And it always looks so different. I mean, to actually get into the comics, one of the things that I found really charming about both is that the turtles kind of look badass in both. Yes, and I think that is specific choices for the to distinguish the comics from everything else that's kid friendly, the yeah. TV shows and the movies and such. Because again, you know the, ori- the the original comic, by virtue of it being on really pulpy paper and being completely black and white and being mm. a bit crude, definitely violent. Say. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it was definitely at the more obscure end of that market, wasn't it? Uh, for, when it first came out, for sure. Yes. This, I mean, nineteen eighty four. This would have been competing with stuff that looked like that alan moore superman run a little after i think that was same you know we're talking the same period though yeah this would have been competing with really glossy well printed comics yeah and the art here is crude yeah i tell you what i'll tell you what's a good comparison for anyone at home who wants to see inspiration so doing my research i saw so the the creators of the series which are uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. So I I have no- heard the the them abbreviated Eastman and Laird yeah. as like the turtles guys, the guys who made the who created them in the first place. They apparently were very influenced by pulpy comic books at the time because eighties was when they started going a bit like they started veering towards like the radical of the nineties. So yeah. they were experimenting with like like different stuff. Uh, Frank Miller was doing Daredevil at the time, yeah. and that apparently was the art and writing style that inspired them specifically. Okay. To the point where, do you know the Turtles' origin story? I mean, you read it like yeah. in the comic. That origin is actually meant to be tie-in with another existing superhero's origin, which is Daredevil. So Daredevil's oh. origin... It's a it's a very clear it's 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 kind of parody kind of homage like because they were genuinely big fans of Frank Miller's Daredevil run at the time and if that you look at super fucking cool Ryan. if you look at Frank Miller's work at the time he's albeit being in color but you can see in the line style it's like the proportion style of, of humans specifically if you look at the humans in the the original turtles they look very similar to that kind of what he was doing then because Frank Miller was writing and drawing. So the origin, Daredevil, there's a blind man walk crossing the road, yeah. truck coming with all the barrels of, of whatever the, the chemical is on the back. Yeah. Kid pushes the blind man out of the way uh, just in time, but the truck still veers and crashes. The ooze, whatever it is, uh, spills into the kid's eyes and he blinds him, but he becomes Daredevil. So he gets all the echolocation powers and everything. 
very over oversimplified way of saying that. Yeah, I mean, you know. The turtle's origin is that truck, so yeah. all that same stuff, but the stuff from the truck, the chemical, spilled into the sewer where it infected a rat and four turtles. And they, be yeah. Ooh. And that was a direct, like, this is the same thing. Like, like if you ask, like, anyone a daredevil they'd be like oh that's a cute thing if you ask eastman Lair, it's like yep that's the exact same scenario in marvel it's cross company they can't they can't say no because we're established now that we're too famous and it counts super cool i didn't know mm. that yeah no very cool i mean again the origin story is super familiar isn't it the turtles origin story is very familiar superhero shenanigans isn't it Yes, I mean, <laughs> it's superhero shenanigans, is what it is. Very intentionally, yeah, absolutely. But I didn't, I, yeah. I mean, again, not knowing much about Daredevil, like the idea of something corrupting a very normal person or animal and turning them into something super. Yeah, that's su that's really familiar to anybody that consumes any kind of comic books, not even superhero ones. Um, but to realise that it was such a close homage of something so specific, that's really dope. I like, I personally, actually. I'm probably going to keep reading. Really? That's interesting. I like the way the turtles are drawn. I they like the look the really mean and different, don't they? They look mean. Mean is the right word. They look mean. Um, they're not as quippy. No, and I think, so the dialogue is one thing that, reading it, the dialogue sh shout out to me a bit, a bit as not as good as what I'm used to, but, yeah. but I'm very hyper aware of the fact that the comics we get nowadays, modern comics, like, varies some are still like this today but we get some really good realistic dialogue in comics as well which we've covered episodes on so but when it's a, such an old title i can look back at it and go yeah it one it was parodying superhero comics of the time and that's how they were written so it was obviously copying a style and also yeah. felt it was a bit comic book superhero of the 80s also a bit like noir western like it was, samurai film it? yeah absolutely they're talking to themselves constantly yeah. and and it's all like very for our time now very stilted yeah dialogue but again it was parodying what was happening at the time i liked it yeah no it was it was good i i liked the tone of it being very dark and mm. like out of the shadows and they felt much more like ninjas in this one than in this one and the modern one we're about to talk about and, the, and this is the thing, isn't it? Because I started reading The Last Ronin before I read any of the original stuff. And I was like, wow, they've done such a great job of making this funny camp comic book series really gritty and kind of dark. And then I started reading the original and I was like, oh no, shit, that was there from the start. It's just mm. the cartoons that got a bit silly. Yeah, it definitely was meant to start as just like a pulpy, violent uh, comic for yeah. adults or young adults, teenagers. And then, obviously, as soon as there was a merchandising option, film rights, it was like, we can tone this down. We can make it kid-friendly. We, we, we can put them in a suit. We can put people in suits, yeah. basically. And there's, there's something I'm trying to find here, because I saw it earlier, and I did not make a note of it for some dumb reason. I found it now. The reason that they are the four specific things of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was they, apart from the... Well, even the turtles, actually, they're all references to, like tropes at the time yeah days. so the teenagers that was a very popular thing of like young making yeah. teenagers superheroes to appeal to the youngest because by the 80s you had the adults who had started reading in the 60s and 70s yeah. they're trying to appeal that was a big thing of why robin's been around so long it's like appeal to the kids yeah um so that was referenced to like the teen titans 
who they yeah. were popular at the time. The mutants was referenced to obviously the X-Men, who were very popular in the 80s. The ninjas of, as referencing here, Daredevil was one of those ones. Yeah. He was doing a lot of ninja stuff at the time. And kind of Batman in some respects. Yeah. And then the last reference, this is from Wikipedia. Great source of information. I don't know where they source this. But apparently the animal part, the turtles, being referenced to funny animals such as Howard the Duck. I didn't know that was a big trope that needed parodying, but apparently it was. Well, I suppose, you know, if you're appealing to teenagers, by this point in the 1980s, those teenagers would have been exposed to... All of those things. Looney Tunes, you know, anthropomorphized mm. animal cartoons. This is a kind of grittier extension of the kind of Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning mm. cartoons these kids would have been consuming in America. And that is a trope that keeps coming back is whatever is considered for children at the time let's make a great adult version of it yeah. and it's weird to think the turtles based on that and then went back to kids yeah. and then has flip-flopped back and forth just for whatever medium they want to appeal to i suppose the interesting thing about the turtles is they've not always occupied the same place in culture but they have had a place in our culture oh for sure yeah. for 40 years now and they they are one of those things that because of the films and the television shows everyone knows about them yeah Hardly anyone knows they come from comics originally but Again, the personality test. You can ask a lot of people who their favorite turtle is, and people who have not even really consumed any bit of medium will have an answer. Yeah. Everyone knows who... I say everyone. A lot of people know of this day and age when like everyone's got their micro-niche interests and yeah. everything. The fact that people, a lot of people know the leader, the hothead, the science smart one, and the funny slacker one. Like it's Everyone knows those tropes without... Even haven't read any of it. I, I can't decide if I like Raph or if I, if I like Raph or Mikey best. <laughs> I like Raph and You're Mikey. You're gonna have to a do lot. some really deep introspective, like which am I? Well, I suppose, and this is this is one of the really interesting things about this comic is that we only get to really see one turtle for a lot of it. Well, that's the set. So, should we start on the the first original one and talk a bit about that first? The original. Oh, no, I feel like we're just having a free form conversation here. It's jazz, baby. <laughs> I know. I know you've got specific notes of specific things you want to say. Okay. And you're just going to have to weave them into the conversation because well, be, I'm feeling jazzy. Yeah, to be fair, I've made notes about like specific things happening in the comics and yeah. I've since kind of thought these are such small parts of the overall franchise that it's not worth mentioning them. So yeah. I want to try to talk more in like general like tones yeah, so and let's, vibes Let's and chat about The Last Rogue so, for a bit. Before we get into it, I will say, okay. if I'll just say for listener, if you're considering checking out The Last Ronin, I would say if you're interested at all in TMNT, it's a great title to yeah just read it to read like a a different take on it i should issues, say. read it oh yeah Chime and, in. and might be continuing as well potentially oh, so, really yeah yeah so you i won't say anymore about both that but yeah if you want to read it read it because we're about to go into it stop here if you haven't come back or just play us on mute just so we get the extra listens yeah anyway go on we only see one title yes that is the last ronin of the title yeah and how did you feel about that whole thing I think, and I, which turtle it ended up being? Yeah, I think the fact that they kept back which turtle it was is was a good device in itself. Unfortunately, when I was looking for blurbs to put on this after I'd read it, luckily there were blurbs that just had it in who it was. So I was like, save that. Like, if you're advertising, like read this comic, save that because the it's literally written into the comic as a issue one and like reveal. Yeah. So leave that. But there's like blurbs like oh like. How is, how is Michelangelo going to serve in the last one? I thought that was a good choice of the last one. If yeah, me too. He feels like the one who needed the character arc from like a, from a tragedy. 
Yeah, it would have been a bit boring if it was Leonardo. That yeah. would have been too obvious. I think Donatello would have been too Batman. I think Donatello's personality and arc, it's not... He's less based on like he, like him making it on his own because he yeah. does last off on his own with all the, the tech and everything. And, and, I, and I think if you'd made it Donatello, he would have... You would have had to have had a really good reason for him not having a bunch of sick tech. Yeah, I mean, he would have undoubtedly. He would have yeah. been. He would have been Batman for sure. Yeah, and this is it. And then Raph would have been too violent. Raph, I think, would be my number two pick. Yeah, maybe actually. Yeah, I think that the story you could have done with him not being out for revenge immediately, like yeah. going through a depression. I think that would have been as interesting potentially as Michelangelo. Yeah. So those are the two I think you could have done on. And, you know, they picked Mikey and that's as good a choice because he had to grow up in the in the immediate aftermath of this tragedy. And yeah, absolutely. What do you think of the art style of uh, Last Row? I mean, again, I, I've been pleasantly surprised because, again, I'd not really read that much Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle in terms of comics. Mm. And so I was going into it expecting it to look like the cartoons. And I thought both of them looked sick. Mm. The one thing that's interesting is the art apparently is done mostly by... So for most of the Turtles run, it's done by Eastman and Laird. Yeah. And that's interesting in itself. Two people both writing and doing the art. Is that the original? This is the original, specifically. Um, and what I noticed in the original, which I was going to uh, mention before, when, when you, so you'd only read the one issue, I said you need to read the, at least the second issue to get a better feel of it. Yeah. And the reason being is because... The art changes a bit jarringly from page to page. Doesn't it? <laughs> and I think that is them doing different. Yeah. And they're both equally, they're both good in different ways. So one is a bit more basic, a bit more intentionally like bare bones. So there's like no background sometimes, yeah. or the background's just a wall and it's like outlines of the characters. And then the other one, and we, don't, we have no, unless I proper look into it, that we, we don't, don't know, know who did which, who. Yeah. But the other one was like shading and lines and like way more detail. So it was kind of jarring to go from like basic outlines, like black and white, like very more um, like comparatively like Kirkman's Walking Dead. Do you know it what? Was that simple white, black and white outlines. There was two things that came to mind when I was reading it. Mm. And the first one was Mouse. Yeah. And then the whoever the second artist is, does the proper shading of like, kind of remind me of like Todd McFarlane's Spawn, which is like loads of line, loads of color. That was in color, so this is more the black and white version. But but and it kind of my like newspaper sh- shorts or yeah, cartoons. Yeah, yeah. But both those different styles. Well, that's what it made me. It made it made me think of pulp. Yes, it's so pulpy, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's violent, and that's one thing that made me think. The thing about the the common theory about the weapons and why each still has the weapons. Yeah, I think that was if that's a part of the main if that's a part of the official franchise that was brought in way later yeah absolutely Raph is stabbing people with the size leo's stabbing people with the fucking whatever the swords yeah like there's no like ooh, it's actually interesting because like that was retcon later for sure yeah 100 like donatello was braining people with that stuff yeah. isn't he and quite like, smartly though yeah i think the reason that was born then uh for the black and white it was because they they needed the different weapons to discern the characters because yeah. they did all look the same. Yeah, they did, didn't and they? And it wasn't until they obviously changed the color that they brought in the colored the headbands. Bands. Yeah, um, yeah, no, and it and it makes sense that they'd all be armed differently because it means that you've got four completely different visual sets of mm. action things that they can be doing. Yeah, and they pick 
interesting looking Japanese and Okinawan martial arts weapons. Mm. This is a particular point of interest for me. Yeah. Um this is this is this is something that I know I'm relatively knowledgeable on. Um you know, the other weapons that kind of come in that set have had a scythe. But yeah. again, kind of too similar to a sword, a bit unwieldy, wouldn't have looked great. And so Sai, Nunchuck, Staff, and either Katanas or Wakasashis, we're just going to say Katanas for convenience yeah. here. Ones that they can carry on their backs, specifically. Like Absolutely. Yeah. And they look good, don't they? Yeah. They make that, and they make, they make for four distinct silhouettes as well. Mm, yeah. Which is interesting. I um, think what's good about this as well is the turtles look so mean and almost like like typical bad guys of the era. Like they're yeah. just drawn mean looking. And I think that's why they had to go with such a family based like origin. Or like not only origin, but like they go out and do this violence, but then you see them go home to their adopted dad who Very Dominic Toretto, yeah, isn't it? A little bit family, yeah. Family. But this is like that archetype, like training, like being adopted by and trained by in martial arts. Like I assume that was a big trope pre turtles but this yeah. really brought it into the mainstream i think a lot more like when you think of like being adopted by and trained by like obviously there's there's superhero versions like iron fist and Ch- uh chong chi and ones yeah. like that but this was like the very like i'll raise you as my own and teach you the ways of my people like Absolutely, it was that kind of, which yeah. i think was like in pulpy samurai films probably beforehand yeah as well. i mean look at the karate kid yeah, exactly. Like, that was probably the similar time, wasn't it? Yeah, mid-1980s. Yeah, fuck yeah. 80s were big onto, like, martial arts, weren't they? For this yeah, exact reason. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, I think, I think in the 80s, Japanese and Chinese cinema hit the US in a pretty meaningful way, didn't it? Yeah, for and sure. And so people started, people started imbibing. I think it actually started, not started in, it, it first crossed platform, crossed genres, I think, and I might—I do not know enough about this to say for sure. It's just a theory based on what little information I have. I think it was the black exploitation films where yeah. you had these black characters who were like normally like ridding the, their community of crime or something like that. Yeah, there's a great joke of um, black dynamite, which I'm actually don't—I'm not even sure if it's a parody or if it was a real one, but right. it was at the time. But it was this guy. Black Dynamite is like, I'm getting rid of all the drug dealers in the community. And the person he's talking is like, but Black Dynamite, I'm a drug dealer. <laughs> it's just... Though <laughs> 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 so there were a lot of those characters who, who were like, just like black people in black communities and they knew martial arts. Yeah. So I think that was, I think, I suspect, I've got a theory that that's where like crossed into like... And Bruce Lee was floating about... Oh, he was mega 60s, popular. wasn't he? I think maybe even late 70s. Oh, no, no, late 60s, yeah. Yeah, late 1960s, Bruce Lee came to Hollywood. When the 80s, I'm guessing that would have been Jackie Chan films. Who, yeah. who was inspired heavily by Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah so Bruce Lee films and Jackie Chan films were huge in the 80s, weren't they? Um... Like even though some of those, a lot of those Jack, those Bruce Lee films were a bit older. Yeah. Um. I think the VHS market, VHS was a thing in the 1980s, wasn't it? Late 80s, I'm gonna say. Whenever I'm unsure, I just go I, early or late. Yeah. And it feels more like a late 80s thing. Yeah. Ba- no. In Beta fairness, as in well. fairness, I don't. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure that home home cinema would have been a big deal. But these things, these those old Bruce Lee films would have been like syndicated on TV and stuff. Yeah. Wouldn't they? And I feel like the black exploitation films probably saw like. It enjoyed the martial arts in those films so like let's just do it in our films like yeah, that yeah, was yeah. just a natural like take what you like and use it in your stuff yeah it's interesting isn't it that kind mm. of 
because there'd been there'd been a lot of general phobia of anything asian in america for a long time leading up to the 1980s because of the vietnam and korean oh, wars for sure yeah and so you know there's 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 a lot of stories of like asian american families suffering a lot of racism and there being a general phobia of anything and mm. of asian <laughs> yeah um and so it wasn't until the 1980s really that america was able to embrace things like that and then yeah. you see this wealth of media yeah that kind of has like you know like you said the film like the actual physical tapes being like transported and traded so you didn't yeah. have to go to a cinema you could literally go around someone's house and be like oh check out this tape and it was martial arts and i think the appeal of martial arts just generally was like most fighting like beforehand was like punch like fake looking punches with the with the sound of like a you know bat hitting meat kind of you know that kind of stuff and with the martial arts same sound effects but you had like these intricate fast movements then people like jesus christ what is this and it made fighting look like art yeah absolutely yeah no yeah completely agree and then it wasn't long before this was going to be translated into comic books. It's just mm. funny that they did it with four turtles. <laughs> I think, like they said, it was being popular in Daredevil first. Yeah. Like, and not first, but before. So I think it was already popular in comics. Yeah. And then Eastman and Laird were like, ninjas is quite a popular thing. Like, could we make the teenage turtles ninjas? Like, <laughs> and I think that they just, as I said, they just took all these points. And they were like, this is a fun amalgamation and it's cool. And the title was like, we know having done all these episodes that the title of an episode will draw people in. So when it's just Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, back then, you'd been like, what is this? What the fuck is that? And I think that's a trope in itself now, is like, crazy title, just to try and get eyes on it. Um, I think that was probably pioneered in a way. Do you know where the concept of the ninja comes from? I mean, ninjutsu, but that's like about as far as it goes for me. Ninjutsu was invented in the 20th century. Um... So the concept of the ninja comes from the theater, kabuki theater. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I did. Oh so yeah, this, yeah. The stage hands would wear all black, and you were supposed to ignore them. And then there was a famous kabuki theater play where it actually turned out one of the stage hands was the murderer and had killed somebody. That's where the idea of this assassin clad in midnight blue comes from. Mm. It was just a, a traditional Japanese kabuki theater play. That's interesting. And to think a twist, you could almost like, that's almost like a twist these days that would piss off the audiences for being too meta. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to figure out which character it was, and now you tell me it's the bloody stagehand. Yeah. Obviously, we weren't considering the stagehands because that's not a thing. Exactly. And I want my money back. And, it's a, it, like, and again, before we had fourth wall breaks, because that, mm. that relates to TV, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, they used to call it meta theatre. Um, and that's that uh, popular recent more recent one Woman in Black yeah I mean a great example is um, everything that happens in A Midsummer Night's Dream with mm. the rude, in- rude instrumentals is all very meta theatrical um, and yeah no I- I've just always loved that because people think of ninjutsu mm. but ninjutsu is a very modern martial art I'm pretty sure it, may- it might even be it might have even been invented in America which is loosely based on a lot of other martial arts and they gave it the ninja name to make it sound cool right um, fair enough i mean it's it's more than i know about it to be fair yeah i mean again that's kind of special interest isn't it yeah and i think those martial arts is one of those things that people know like little tidbits about but yeah. not many people know anything more than that but that's why again the appeal of this 
time period is like ninjas. People yeah. are like, oh, that's cool. Like, don't even don't need to know more. Just ninjas is cool. Hundred percent. And you know, uh, who who has watched a Bruce Lee film and not enjoyed it? Mm. Another interesting crossover with the Daredevil comic yeah. to TMNT is that the the main antagonist of it is Shredder, but he's head yeah. of the Foot Clan. Yeah. The reason they're called the Foot Clan is because the ninja secret organization in Daredevil is called the Hand. So Eastman and Laird were like, uh, what should we name our version of the hand? The foot. Uh. And it's like, yep, that, that's it. Now it's the foot clan for, for decades afterwards. That's now so the foot good. clan. I didn't realize that. So I did make some notes about like the writing and story and everything of the original comic. Yeah, but, we can chat about it. But if no, you want. what I was gonna say is I don't feel like it's I don't feel like it's worth critiquing because it's so of its time. Yeah. Like like when we did the Alan Moore Superman one, it was like we didn't really kind of be like oh, this dialogue's a bit stilted or a bit unnatural. It's like, because that's just what they were at the it's time. It's from the like, 80s, yeah. yeah. But we did, like, we commented what was interesting and different about it. And I think we've covered, with this older one, like, it was surprisingly violent for the time, It violent for involving, like, a grown, t- uh, anthropomorphic, you know, yeah, b- animal-man hybrids and everything. So I would argue that it's, and I think you'd probably agree with me. It's well worth a read. Yeah, if you're it's interested really at fun, all, if you if you are currently reading the Amazing Spider-Man run from 2022, for instance, mm. I would say that this is a much more interesting read. If you're currently reading any modern Marvel or DC superhero comics that isn't Supergirl, I would definitely say this is like much yeah. more interesting than what you're reading right now. Which other super? Which other superhero ones have I liked? I liked Supergirl, didn't I? Woman of Tomorrow. Yeah, you liked Rogue Son. I liked Rogue um, Son. Did isn't Woman of Tomorrow going up for an award soon? Yeah, it's going up for a Hugo Award. Yeah, science, fuck yeah, science fiction award. Yeah, whoever the fuck gets to choose, um, it should win. It's good. Well, there's one other one in there that we might be doing soon, so <laughs> that might be like a Whisper contender off. as well. Whisper off, Mike. Oh yeah, that's gonna be really fun, isn't it? Yeah. Well, ho- hopefully. Um, but yeah, no, if you read, if you are into like modern superhero comics and one of the things that you like about them is an ensemble cast taking on a big bad, then the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic from 1984 is inarguably better than everything you're reading at the moment. I'm sorry, it just is. I think what's, es- good. I think what's especially interesting for me as a superhero fan is seeing these, the tropes of the superhero comics of the 80s really like condensed yeah. and like... And amplified to the point that yes. they're pastiche. And that's yeah. really interesting because you see those tropes, like how <laughs> they've evolved since then. You go, oh, that's that's crazy. Like, I do my one complaint and it, yeah, goes, go on it goes a little bit further into like issues five, I think. Yeah. Four or five. They leave New York like way too early. Whoa, so for, for the very first. Yeah. And I won't spoil how because you'd never guess. <laughs> you'd yeah, never okay. guess how. But in a bit for how early it started, but issue four. I feel like the whole Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in New York, the sewers of New York is like such an integral part of the characters. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like at that point, they didn't, they just set to New York just because, I think because Daredevil's set in New York, so they were just right. like, same as. It didn't feel like they thought of it as an integral part, so they yeah. just left New York very quickly afterwards, like four issues. It's interesting how important setting becomes to certain superhero comics. Like, I feel, I mean, Spider-Man... Spider-Man needs to be somewhere with skyscrapers. Yeah, if Peter Parker had been bitten by the spider in Norwich, with its tallest building being the medieval cathedral, his powers would have been nerfed somewhat. Well, if you go by the Spider-Man games, he would have done a thing called Zip Web, which is where he basically fires his web in the way, and then like just something further away. 
And then because of his strength, he yanks himself through the air. So he just kind of does it and just goes like, like imagine like you trying to pull a rope, but he pulls himself forward. Yeah. So he'd just be doing that everywhere. Which implies that the bonds that bind his webs to the things he shoots them at are stronger than he is. Yeah, they're um, they Think stick. About it. Yeah, they're, it's proportionate steel strength. Right. Okay. Yeah. Where spiders web because spiders web is proportionately stronger steel. It's just so thin that yeah. it's obviously not. Yeah, but he can hold the Brooklyn ferry together. Yep. Yep. Which is more, but that would take more than a few bits of steel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's proportionally like because he can add Let, web on top of it. Let's not get into this. This is a this is a fucking rabbit warren, isn't it? Yeah. It's a rabbit warren of superhero shenanigans. This is going to make me angry. Um, yeah, no, I feel like this, this is kind of a superhero comic, Ryan. It is. It's, it's a parody super- of a superhero comic. And, and I think the thing that makes me not call superhero shenanigans is the mm. fact that they're turtles that like pizza. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, they charm me. I yeah. find them interesting and charming in a way I don't most superheroes. But it is pure superhero shenanigans, isn't it? There's something where I think we said before about something to do with humor or comedy where... You like it when I said before, and I think you agreed. Where is you like you like intelligent people doing silly comedy where they, but they can't help but be intelligent through the silliness. Yeah, I think this comes into like earnestness and like parody, like create ridiculousness. Yeah. So in the ridiculous setting, there is still this earnest family dynamic, and you know these well, oddities who found each other and uh, have made their own surrogate family, and th- those are the things I think that keep it earnest despite all the craziness and everything else so just recently you told me about an idea you'd had which is for superhero shenanigans bingo cards yes that we can do during the episodes to keep me happy mostly when we're talking about superheroes is to give you something else to focus on yeah and my first superhero shenanigans trope Mm -hmm. was going to be dead parental figure yeah yeah and then in the last ronin i mean that's dead family that's entire family still a dead parental figure even though the entire family's dead the parental figure's dead too yeah but that's got to be part of an origin like the trope i think is more origin and this is kind of michael origin michelangelo's new origin it's story not, yeah but it's not his origin or- I, I, so we're debating we been, semantics we now. are being presented with a narrative here right um when you are analyzing a narrative you have to analyze the narrative that has been put in front of you we are seeing the origin story for not michelangelo one of the ensemble cast of turtles that we've always seen before we are seeing depressed michelangelo whose family has died part of this new origin for story for this new character is a dead parental figure it's straight batman spider-man shenanigans i think you're picking out bits of information to support your hypothesis well of course that's how arguments work (laughs) that's how we form arguments but it's not how you empirically arrive at Something rather, something science. Oh, yeah, because objectivity exists, yes. doesn't it? I think I was my told ca- recently about something that made me really happy. I can't remember the thinker's name. She was a feminist, and she basically said that she did a thought experiment where she said proved there was no such thing as objectivity. She said the only objective truth is God, and God does not exist. Therefore, okay. there is no objective truth. Okay, I will counter argument with my subjective take to your subjective take. Yeah. I think that which is wrong. This being an I mean, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) People who are right generally don't go around saying how right they are all the time. They don't announce it. I will let the readers decide. Readers, listeners, listeners, you're definitely wrong. (laughs) I'm wrong about readers. But 
for example, I think a good example that I'm pulling out of my ass right now is... Oh, there's, please don't. There's a, the listeners don't have to look at you, but I do. You have to deal with it. <laughs> there's like a Bond... Oh, God, it's coming out, guys. There's a Bond film where he gets married and then the wife is killed. And on, that becomes the... That's, on Her Majesty's yes, Secret Service. And that's, one of, that's the plot of that film, right? Yeah. You wouldn't then say, oh, Bond having a dead wife is part of his origin. Because it's just the continuation of the story in the franchise. <laughs> That's my example of why I don't treat this as that. There's a lot of superhero shenanigans. I just don't think that one applies in this particular instance. It does, though, doesn't it? This is the thing. It, it, it's motivation for this story. And I'd say the trope that I... Not even necessarily specific because trope. Because the but, profound difference here is that when Tracy dies... Yeah. That's Bond's wife. Yeah. Um, she is a character who turns up for one Bond novel. Yeah, I mean, she was um, essentially... A comic term she was fridged yeah absolutely mm. um but what we're seeing here is a character that we have seen in an ensemble cast for 40 years mm. and now we're seeing them completely on their own yes so it's a complete change of format you could almost argue that it's a spin-off my only this ar- isn't this isn't a, this isn't a straight continuation of the teenage mutant ninja turtle series and so i would argue that actually even though this isn't the exact origin story for Donna, for Michelangelo as a character entirely. The fact that he is a cha- he is a different character than the one we have seen in previous iterations, mm. and that is because of this new origin story where all of his family, including his only parental figure, have done a die. So I think we're debating semantics. I'm ticking it off. No, you're not because I'm it's not his it origin. Off. I'm ticking it off. You're I'm using the it. word origin haphazardly. You're like, well, it's the beginning of this book, so it's a new origin. It's like, no, there's one origin. It's the origin of the character. <sighs> Spider-Man, Gwen Stacy dying, Spider-Man. That's not part of his origin. Uncle Ben is the parental figure who died in his origin. I mean, I know nothing about it, so I'm just going to say I Gwen think... Stacy dying is origin story. <laughs> um, because that serves my argument, and you there's can't... no such thing as objective truth. You can't keep creating the origin <laughs> after the title has started. Is that not, not an or- origin? It's not an origin. <laughs> <laughs> this is the spiciest opinion I've had in a while. I think, I think again, the problem is we're debating the semantics yeah, of, of, of the trope. And that's and not interesting. No, not as much. But but I would genuinely like to hear what people think. What what side they fall on in this argument. It's mine. This debate. It's mine, obviously. Well, there's going to be some idiots, obviously. But the smart ones will come to me. <laughs> to tell you that you're wrong <laughs> it's just going back well uh, actually I'm rubbing your glue so <laughs> we're just going to keep going back for all that one thing I thought was uh, the last one I think you'll agree with this there no. is a trope in itself of the older the tragedy struck and there's a future dystopian version of, of a character yeah. riddled with tragedy that's now fighting for last hurrah yeah. and I the closest example i could think of which i think you also read was old man logan yeah 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 Yeah, so that i got a lot from definitely got that vibe yeah i agree definitely some others as well i'm trying to think of like dystopian future um where characters have been thrust forward write in if you know them but there's definitely other ones i think it's not just old man logan i mean it kind of ties in not entirely but there's a similar vibe to whatever his face was um the flash the you know kind of a character in either either a you know dystopian future or an alternate version of their reality mm. and kind of it kind of, it kind of had that same feeling where michelangelo felt like he was a visitor there 
Yeah. It was a world that he hadn't quite come to understand or be able to function in properly yeah. yet. I think this one and Old Man Logan, I think they function as like uh, kind of trying to do something new with an, exi- with an existing character. Like, yeah, 100%. What if they were in the future and basically their family's died in Old Man Logan, spoilers for that, but it's been out for ages, he kills all the X-Men, he, he's tricked into killing them, yeah. so that's his tragedy propelling him into this, and this one is obviously all the family dying. I did like that it was a bit more intricate in how the rest of the family died. Oh Normally, God, it was wrenching, wasn't I it? I was expecting just one big one yeah. big battle, and they all died, and Mikey survived. In this, it was kind of, most of them died in an explosion, Yeah, and then it was Splinter and Donatello, who were yeah. in Japan, uh, for the peace summit between clans, and it felt like an added wrench of the knife. Yeah. It was like, oh, you might be able to rescue your dad and your brother, your, your what last brother. Oh, they're dead now as well. Like it, it felt like it was a bit of a um addition. It turned the tragedy up to ten, didn't it? Yeah. One thing that's interesting about the story as well is uh I thought when I first saw the front page of Last Ronan and seeing Eastman and Laird in the story, I thought and I didn't know this, I thought, fuck no, have they been writing this since the eighties? And it turns out half yes. One of them has. Um I think it's Eastman has continued writing. Laird left and sold his shares in 2009. So they did a pretty decent run of the original duo. Fuck me. But what's interesting is the reason he's credited on Last Ronan is when they, him and another guy, I think Tom Waltz, I think his name was, who's who's come on since and is now part of it. um, They were like, hey, what do you want to do? Because they handed over the main title run that's been going on since the 80s. So literally it said like 80s to like 2014 and then went to IWD publisher. Um. They were like, hey, we've handed over the main run to someone else. Give it a fresh new whatever and someone else to have a go. Let's do something else. And then Eastman was like, well, me and Laird wrote this one back in maybe the 80s or the 90s. They were like, let's do this then. So it was written back then as like the possible end of the franchise before it become very popular potentially. No shit. Yeah. So they've had this tucked away that entire time. Yeah. And they've obviously changed up and stuff That's and yeah. Fucking cool, Ryan. Yeah. I didn't know that. And what's a nice little thing, Eastman apparently called Laird. He was like, I've got this that we wrote. Do you mind if we make it for if we actually produce and publish it for now? And apparently Laird was like, Yeah, go ahead, Philly Boots. So it sounds great. Yeah. yeah. That's oh, that's so cool. Mm. This is like prime I mean, you know, we're what nearly four. We're thirty nine years on, mm. and we are getting primary source material from this franchise. Yeah, this is the equivalent of getting a new nineteen nineties Pokemon game mm-hmm. that they forgot to release, isn't it? It's like, um, and then being like, oh, by the way, this is a whole hundred Pokemon that we designed in nineteen ninety five. We've just cleaned them up a bit and stuck it on this Nintendo Switch cartridge. Here you go. It's like uh, there's like meant to be print stuff coming out soon because he had a whole vault of unreleased music wild. and videos. He recorded a song a day. Yeah. So whoever owns his estate were like, we could just keep releasing stuff from him that's completely unseen and like, you know, just keep keep the spirit alive. You know. Yeah. But it definitely explains for me on the negative side, the dialogue seems to be the same as the '80s one, I- which I kind of liked. <laughs> I kind of liked the consistency. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, was, I think I was. I get it. I understand. A bit better, yeah. But like, but that's the one area for me that fell short. And I think that's it was just unnaturalistic dialogue. 
everything else. Story, I really enjoyed. Yeah. I thought all the story beats and as it happened and the revelations and the characters coming back, I thought it was like prime dystopian future. Some people survived, yeah. some people didn't. Um, introduction of a character, uh, yeah. Casey, the daughter of April. Yeah. Um, I liked especially... And Casey at the very end with those four titles. Yeah, I was going to oh, say Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, it just made me... Oh. And obviously, biggest spoiler for the thing, but Michelangelo dying at the end. And did, did that make you feel something? I felt like... I felt like I kind of expected it, so it didn't hit quite as hard, but the bit where he's waking up with all the... His brothers and stuff. Oh I was like, "God, this is like that in itself is a bit of a superhero shenanigan trope for when they die." Yeah, it's I know. Starting from um, Gladiator, that yeah. thing, like the family and the reeds and stuff. It was like that, but I still felt like I felt like having known these characters for so long, it, Again, it felt good. I was super willing to forgive this. It's superhero shenanigans. I was so willing. To, I was so willing to forgive it. Well, as I said, story-wise, again, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed the art. I'm going through, like, the, the pillars of what we kind of yeah, review on. Yeah, I, I liked the art. I mean, again, I thought they made Michelangelo look really fucking mean. Yeah, design-wise, I love that design. There was one of, um, I think it was the director's cut version of issue one. Yeah. Had the breakdown of, like, the actual character and all the stuff. So, I had, like, yeah. goggles, black hood, black, like, face mask carrying the four face masks yeah. and all the weapons the yeah. the weapons being broken especially yeah. the swords yeah so all that all those little details were really cool and it just for me this is me being a bit of a negative nancy here i felt like you put this great attention to detail on these parts but the dialogue at some points just felt so like we need to get this bit of exposition yeah into this page. absolutely i made a note and again i don't want to be like the arsehole who's like oh, i don't like the dialogue but there was a, I no, made be it. that asshole. When I don't like things, I'm fucking vocal about it, right? But I feel bad about it because I enjoyed so much of the rest of it. Yeah, I don't feel like I don't. I'm not trying to like take a shit on it because I didn't like it. I'm like I. I felt almost like I had higher expectations. Yeah, and this one area fell down. A and there's bit. nothing worse than something not meeting expectations, right? Yeah. Not mad, I'm just disappointed. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah, and that's valid. But again, all the other parts were great. It was just, like, this is an example of one line, and you'll know exactly what I mean. It was towards the end, but there was a line of April and Casey talking. They need to find Mikey later because they need to be with him for when he dies. And April goes, oh, speaking of, he has no clue, but I injected a um, tracker into Mikey when I drew his blood. I meant to tell you before, but you kind of took off on me. As, yeah, it's like it oh. just feels like oh shit, we need to put that in, and we need to explain why it wasn't mentioned earlier. And I've, there was a lot of bits like that were just exposition, a expositional bit of, dialogue. A yeah. bit of extra work could have made that a bit more, uh, and that and a lot of other parts a bit you more naturalistic. Yeah, you didn't need to tell me that; you could have shown me that. And mm. I and I agree with you, and I completely agree with you, and I agree that is. I, I mean, I think it stood out so much because the artwork looked so good. Mm. It looked so crisp. Yeah. I think in most parts, the way I was just talking, it was just kind of passable art, like yeah. he's doing the job. The fight scenes I thought were good. Yeah. They're good little proportions of all the characters and the swings and the kicks and everything. The art I liked the most was, so there was the normal flashbacks. For some reason, there's the flashbacks where it was like New York flashbacks. Yeah. Or even, and Japan flashbacks. There was flashbacks where it was just a sepia tone. Yeah, so and they're my favorite. Felt a bit old, like an old film reel kind of feel. And then there's the flashbacks where it's Mikey by himself. And for some reason, they went, let's like do really artistic, beautiful 
harrowing yeah uh, like dream like nightmare like i mean it dragged me straight back to nice house in the lake yeah yeah definitely yeah and the contrast i mean nice house in the lake was a bit more it was arty all the time yeah. whereas this this was, stuck out like a sore thumb didn't exactly it? It, it the nice house in the lake like mellowed between pages and panels this was like flashback sepia tone like all right bit of a tr- that's cool a, that's just a trope in television film as it is yeah and then so like and then mike's like then i went into the mountain and i was cold-blooded so that was particularly harsh <laughs> on me i like and i generally I, was, I read that line i was like i hadn't thought of that that's Fair funny enough, that make, that's funny and it makes sense but then he's like and i went into the mountain and i was cold and i was alone i didn't know what to do and it's just all the, like proper like black and white like yeah like really interesting looking art so there's do i you know really what? like that part i kind of wish the entire comic was like that yeah, yeah. Do you how dope would that have been if the entire comic looked like those flashbacks, or at least more in that style? You're right. Yeah. It would have been really cool. Um, with a name like the Last Ronin as well, because that that sounds to me like a. I mean, it sounds like a 1980s martial arts film. Yeah, exactly. And I Bruce think, Lee starring in the Last Ronin. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that's that's why it's. Do you know what a Ronin is as well? So they describe it in the comic, and I don't know if that's accurate or not. But he described it as being the last of his clan. Like that was what why he was calling himself that. Yeah, so that's that's one of the reasons that you would end up a Ronin. Um, Ronin was just the name for a samurai who wasn't serving a particular feudal master. Right. So feudal lords would hire these great swordsmen to either protect them or to serve them. And if you were a if you were a swordsman of high renown but you weren't affiliated with any particular feudal lord or you didn't have, you weren't running an army, you were known as a ronin. Right. So it make, kind of makes sense that his master's died now. So. Absolutely. Yeah, no, him, him, him using that term makes perfect sense. Mm. It's just not completely accurate as to what the old Japanese word means. Yeah. I especially liked... Uh, now, I'm looking through the art kind of now. The bits where all the explosions were going off, I thought were yep. really well done, really well detailed. Um, I love the concept of... I guess technically Shredder Jr. or Shredder yeah. Jr. Jr. Like he's Shredder's grandson, essentially, but he has this suit that's like liquid armor. And the norm- as soon as I saw that, I thought, all right, it's going to be really hard to beat. And then like a big explosion of stuff. And then I like they, they thought about, again, real attention to detail in this part and not in other parts. But the- my crew was like, right, if I do an explosion, so I use this like bomb on part of his armor, I think it was like his hand. That's going to go off, weaken it, and then I'm going to strike immediately after the explosion because it can only take so much damage to repair from. So he literally, bomb goes off, and then he puts a sigh straight into Shredder Junior's hand, and then he takes out and it's healed again. So he's like, well, fuck's sake, like, I'm going to need more than that. And he's like, you bleed. You must be bleeding on the inside there. And he, like, you see like him working out and figuring out like what he needs to do, and eventually just has to blow him up in the river yeah. for enough to like trap the air or whatever so he can't breathe. But again, like details in some parts, which I really appreciated. A lot of violence in this, so harkens back to the original quite a yeah, bit as well. Def- I mean, again, I said earlier, didn't I? I kind of thought, oh, this is a really fun, gritty reimagining of the turtles. Mm. Then I started reading the original. I was like, fuck no, this is just back to basics. Yeah, this is on brand for them. I mean, it's given me a whole new respect for the brand. And I definitely, it's definitely made me want to jump into it more. I think you can definitely see why this title has been 
like celebrated so, and well, yeah because it's been really well received hasn't it yeah a, a lot of people have said like even just by comic sales like it's the most popular Teenage Mutant Turtle comic for a while can you imagine like having gotten onto this in the pandemic as well being like I know there's a fucking virus going on hmm. have you read this shit <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately there was a whole I don't know if I've mentioned this on the thing before but there was a whole problem with with um actual physical publishing and printing of comics yeah, it makes sense and they stopped for a while and i actually dropped off for a while because i didn't know when they started again so were they were they just not all working from home producing comics and I, then just publishing them digitally i think that people pe- individuals were making comics but they just literally couldn't put them together to actually publish them and release them for some reason that also impacted that they couldn't do it digitally i'm not sure why because TV slowed down for a bit, didn't it? Oh, yeah. They, they couldn't meet up and actually make new TV, could they? Although Zendaya was in that film that was shot entirely during the pandemic, wasn't she? Yeah. And they did um, Michael Sheen and David Tennant. They did the one from home, didn't they? Yeah. The over Zoom. There was a horror movie that was made over Zoom as well, somehow. Yeah. Um, so there were creative out workarounds. But yeah, there was definitely a slowdown. For some reason, it affected digital comics as well. And I'm not uh, sure how. I didn't realize. I just assumed that... To be, to be honest with you, I assumed that so like these companies would have gone fuck. Everyone's at home. Everyone's got disposable income. Let's yeah churn out some content. I think whatever was whatever system they had in place required people meeting up somehow to some for somehow to get comics published digitally. There was a point in the chain or system. Well, that I suppose was you'd, need, you'd need to have a print shop open, wouldn't you? And I imagine that would have been not deemed to be but then would the print shop not just be physical copies like that's the problem i'm kind of having in well, yeah determining this is why. It, isn't it because you think they'd have just upped their digital output that's what i would have done if i were them are you googling it yeah in, <laughs> in the in the meantime while i search up um did you know how did you find michelangelo's like the whole personality in this i mean again dialogue stilted mm. and i I I was kind of in that first issue, guess trying to guess which turtle it was, and I was like, "Well, it can't be Mikey because he's not quippy enough." Mm. And so, but then the point was, he he didn't seem like any of them for that first issue reveal. Yeah, absolutely. I think his personality came through a bit more after the first issue, didn't it? The what? Sorry, his personality came through a bit more after the first issue. Oh yeah, once they'd made the reveal, yeah, for sure. I bring up myself because i there was one part that it was only kind of one part where i thought that's the old mikey there and the, obviously Ooh, the reason he's, the reason he's different is the point of the title so it's it makes sense that he's rarely himself after all he's been through the one part i noticed it was when he was fighting casey when he was right. showing yeah, yeah, yeah and it was definitely a more older bitter version of him yeah but he had that little quippiness came out and like you could see him kind of relaxing into like his old self and i feel like that's because training ninjutsu with someone is like his his growing up his um his entire his entire history with his family like well i mean right at the start of the original 1984 donatello's trying to watch tv with splinter and mikey and raf are scrapping yeah and but definitely in like i think it's like parallels with like sibling scrapping but yeah. also in a they are training their martial arts like they're, yeah. spa- they're sparring essentially. yeah yeah and uh, you know i can't watch tv with you guys sparring in the living room <laughs> yeah and then one of them just gets thrown across into a bookshelf like <laughs> and i'm pretty yeah that was mikey and raf wasn't it yeah but there, so there's a scene where he's doing that with casey and he's showing casey like 
you don't know shit. Like yeah. you've you've done well for a human, but you're nothing compared to only me. a true turtle can be a ninja. Well, basically, <laughs> it's fucking weird, man. It's like again, it's it shouldn't work. It shouldn't be compelling. It just shouldn't, should it? It's and too silly. It's why it works. It's all these silly <sighs> things coming together, but being earnest in the telling as well. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, re- I really, I, su- I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Genuinely, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Because I noticed so much comic book shenanigans. So much superhero shenanigans. Yeah. And by virtue of it just being the Turtles, particularly it being one of my favorite turtles mm. um you know i just kind of forgave it and just got on board with it and just kind of enjoyed watching him go through his journey i would highly recommend it i would highly recommend yeah. both yeah if you're a fan of the franchise that's differences between the two over so long is so interesting yeah, it's so, so interesting. interesting and the 80s one is like a, a whole description of it's it's a whole representation of superhero comics at the time yeah. as well, and pulpy comics at the time, and everything. And this one now, it feels like it's just it shows how much it's become its own thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing that made it its own thing, it wasn't it wasn't the teenage stars, it wasn't them being ninjas, it wasn't them being mutants or even turtles. It was the they are characters with their individual personalities who have a adopted rat dad and. <laughs> And they like like pizza and they fight crime. Yeah. Like I think those are the things that the the intangibles that made it popular. Yeah. And have given it its own identity all these years later, decades later. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, like I completely agree with you. Feel like that's a good place to to call it? I think so. So thank you so much for listening, as always. If you'd like to leave us a review, just do so wherever you listen to your podcasts and we'd be really thrilled with it. Um, if you'd like to send us an email and actually talk to us directly, you can do that at thecomicliterate at gmail.com. Tell us, you can tell us why you agree with one of us or why Jamie's wrong. You can either or is fine. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, and thank you so much for listening. I thought you were like whirling and like, how can I get back in before the, <laughs> before the end? No, the end of the podcast is where I get to be earnest for a minute. Okay. And so I'm I just enjoying being a bit earnest, Fair actually. Enough. Well, before you proper sign off, I will get back to the why the comics end of the pandemic it turns out it's a bit of a thing and i'm gonna have to have a proper read in it but i think we're gonna get into it in the next one okay cool um i'm really glad you interrupted your flow yeah absolutely all right we'll start again from the beginning right it's like jazz isn't it it's jazz baby (laughs) no no no, we're not starting again i'm just gonna say no no the entire episode like (laughs) dude i have shit to do i've got to pick fleas out of a cat (laughs) thank you for listening and i hope whatever you're doing with your morning day or evening you continue to enjoy doing it after we leave you. Or if you're binging this, thank you so much for binging it and enjoy the next one. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.